I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, August 26th. J.C. Sherbert, good to be with you here today. Uh, A little later than we normally drop podcasts on a Thursday, but uh, eight... Eight days out from it being um, the night before game day and uh, all that good stuff. Nine days before the opener for South Carolina's 2021 football season against Eastern Illinois. Carolina calls tonight. I'm probably going to be recording this during the show with Shane Beamer, if I'm not mistaken. I know they had it last week. I'm pretty sure they have it this week as well. Uh, So that's uh, all sort of a sense of of normalcy and sign that uh, football season is upon us. So I'm – Pretty fired up about that, as I know you are. I uh, do have some games this weekend. I think, I think that probably the biggest game this weekend is Illinois and Nebraska. Uh, I think that if, um, you know, if, if you're looking for something relevant to the Gamecocks, Eastern Illinois uh, plays Indiana State. I think you can stream that game. Uh, and you get a good look at the Gamecocks opening game opponent. The quarterback situation is still not settled, according to a contact I spoke with Wednesday night or Tuesday night. It still looked like Zeb Nolan was ahead. Luke Doty is healing fast, I was told, but they're not overly optimistic he's going to be ready to go next Saturday. Um, So it still looks like Nolan. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't know that you can completely say – (laughs) <laughs> you know, that, that he's definitely the guy right now because Marcus Satterfield and some other people said Jason Brown's been practicing really well. Um, but most contacts feel like at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be Nolan because he's been practicing well too. And, and that's what you want. You know, you, you don't want guys that are both bad at practice that are works in progress. And you, you sort of sit there and wonder what you're going to do. Um, so you know, as it is relative to who will start the game next Saturday night, uh, you know, both are doing well and working toward being very competitive uh, with that situation. So, 
you know, and I don't have a favorite. I don't, you know, I don't have an opinion as to which one is better. I think they both do some good things. They both have some things they need to work on, you know, just for, from my point of view, looking at it uh, based on, you know, information coming out of since the spring, you know, if, you know, out of the three we've talked about, Luke Doty's probably going to be the guy. Uh, and I know that they know Col- they, they think Colton Gauthier. Uh, I was, um, you know, corrected with that one as well. Uh, Gauthier is uh, going to be a guy that they really like in the future, just not ready. And, and I think we knew that about Colton. I think, you know, coming in, you, you kind of look at him. He's like a big arm, uh, good size, good athlete, works hard. You know, just a lot of times, you know, most quarterbacks out there aren't ready to go right away. <laughs> Open box, play QB. That's not uh, that's not how it works uh, around college football, even with the guys that end up getting drafted high in the NFL, you know, for every Trevor Lawrence or, I mean, even Justin Fields sat on the bench at Georgia's first year. Uh, you know, every guy like that who could go out and play, you know, there is a Zach Wilson, a Kyle Trask, a Mac Jones who develops and ends up being pretty good if you just look at the draft. So, you know, not everybody could take over as a true freshman and have success. I think we've seen that through the years at Carolina, but the good news is players get better. Um, and we've seen it at Carolina, but I'll say this. I, I realize that, you know, when it comes to the fan base, it, it's it's tough because there have been – two stories of seasons going nowhere, 1992 and 2016, where Steve Tannehill and then Jake Bentley came in and reversed the fortunes of the season. Uh, so I think that sticks in some Gamecock fans' memories, and uh, that may also have to do with, you know, the unfair criticism of Luke Doty based on last year, because maybe maybe here in South Carolina the expectation is if you – if a true freshman starts over, that that gives you some sort of renewed hope and you expect tangible results in the wins and loss column. Uh, and look, you know, one one or two more plays against Missouri, maybe they end up tying it and going to overtime and he wins that one. But, um, you know, those other two games, by the time Georgia rolled around and then Kentucky, then Gamecocks defense was so depleted, they weren't stopping anybody. Uh, and they, they just didn't have enough firepower on offense to – you know, getting any sort of shootout with Georgia or Kentucky. And obviously Luke didn't play very well against Kentucky either, but uh, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens uh, with all that. But like I said, I don't have a, between Nolan and Brown, I don't have a favorite. I mean, I'd actually, you know, on a personal level, you know, I've, I, I don't know Zeb Nolan. I uh, never dealt with him in recruiting or anything. I've, I've dealt with Jason Brown and we've always enjoyed at the big spur interviewing him as a recruit and, talking to him and uh, I, I respect his social media presence. It's just very, always positive and about hard work. And uh, he's a guy with a lot of, um, a lot of dreams, a lot of big dreams. And uh, I, I think sometimes folks like that, you know, I tend to prefer. Uh, I don't know that Zeb Nolan is not someone with a lot of big dreams. So don't think I'm cutting Nolan down. I know it's kind of a, people always say, well, it's one side of the corner or the other, but it's not. Uh, you know, so I look at it and I think, well, you know, if I, I, if I were pulling for someone, cheering for someone, uh, even though the, the Zeb Nolan story is a little more, I'm a sucker for a good story. And that's a little bit more of a a good story, but I'd pull for Jason Brown. I mean, I don't, uh, I just, you have to call it like it is. (laughs) And if it's Zeb, it's Zeb. 
and Zeb, last I heard, was a little bit ahead uh, as far as that goes. But the Brown was, you know, performing pretty well in practice. So, you know, the positive there is, I mean, what if what if Zeb Nolan gets hurt, Luke Day can't, I mean, Luke Doty can't come back, and then, you know, good that Brown's practicing good, even if Nolan wins the job. Uh, you just never know in this game when your number is going to be called, and uh, that's kind of the – uh, the thing there. Um, Satterfield and White, the coordinators for the game. That sounds like a law firm, right? Like a like a Florence County law firm. If you've been injured in an accident, call Satterfield and White. <laughs> but no, they're the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Gamecocks. Uh, and they've addressed the media this week. Uh, a lot of positives. Um you know, if I have, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not going to call this a concern because I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, but one thing to look for, keep an eye on, because he mentioned the running. Uh, Satterfield mentioned the running back rotation. He's like, you know, I don't want to do it by committee, and I don't, I don't believe the Gamecocks are going to go by committee or the hot hand or whatever. Um, I mean, look, let me back up. If somebody's really running the ball well and they're Number two on the depth chart, I'd be surprised if they are no, because we're not going with the hot hand. That, that's probably not what he meant. Uh, but the running back usage is going to be interesting this year because I, I think, you know, it's kind of getting out there that, you know, with, with Juju McDowell, the freshman, uh, even Shane Beamer said it, you know, he can help our offense in a lot of ways. Um, and so that means, you know, you're going to probably use a lot of twos and two-back sets. Uh, with him, maybe split him in the slot. Uh, I will say for those that, that want to compare him to A. Sanders a lot, and, you know, look, athletically, that's fine. Um, he's not a guy that's gonna that's out there playing receiver full-time. Uh, and the good news with this offense, is Spurrier's offense, man, if, if, you, if you're a receiver, you had to just go be a receiver just because uh, we talk sometimes uh, critically about how much the defense – uh, the underwell must champ put on the safeties in Spurrier's offense. There's a lot on the receivers and quarterback, and then they rep it over and over and over and over and over again to where it's almost I mean, let's run some things all day. I mean, you know, that that kind of thing. And, and receivers have to be very precise in their routes. So, so it's kind of hard to say, okay, you're going to be running back some of the time and a receiver some of the time in that offense. Um, so Ace. Uh, who was a receiver? He was never running back in high school. Was there? But Bruce Ellington was a running back in high school, and I think a quarterback. And then he trans, you know, transitioned over there. There were some high school quarterbacks that did. But uh, in this offense, I think you have so many hybrid type spots. I mean, it's basically, you know, you have different positions within a, a, a formation that are called different things. But you can use a tight end there, a running back there, receiver there, whatever you want to do and, and tr tr to try to get the good matchup. So um, I, after hearing that, I am now curious to see, you know, how, how are you going to fact – because the, the unfortunate or maybe fortunate part is, or, or maybe it's not going to turn out this way uh, because some guys will step up at other spots. We don't know. But you, you look at it and a lot of the playmakers are at running back. Kevin Harris, obviously. Of course, he's not back. Marshawn Lloyd. <laughs> Uh, I think he's going to be really fun to watch this year. Zaquandre White has been one of the best playmakers on the team since the spring. And Rashad Amos, who's kind of the forgotten man, but he's 
I'm telling you, he's good. Uh, he's going to be a really good player. Uh, and then, of course, there's Juju McDowell. So that, that's one thing that stood out to me there. <laughs> um, you know, I was told about Tyrese Ross, put some VIP tidbits on the message board, I think, Tuesday. Uh, the transfer safety from Washington State. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's really come on and he's really playing physical. Uh, and so, I've, and I was talking, gosh, I think it was on JB and Goldwater, or maybe it was on the phone with Keith also. I don't know where, uh, where I said this, but look, man, I may have said it here. I'll say it again. Look, if your receivers maybe aren't that good, or I'm sorry, your safeties maybe aren't that good in coverage, give me the guys that are going to separate the ball from the player once it gets there. Uh, we haven't really seen very many physical safeties at South Carolina in a long time. Um, not that they've played soft or scared, but, you know, the guys that will light you up and, and make you scared to come across the middle. I don't uh, J- DJ Smith was maybe the last guy like that that they had, just a tough, hard-nosed guy. Uh, that was in 2016. But, um, you know, that kind of made me feel good because, you know, you think about it, Ross, if he is like that and he will stick you, uh, you know R.J. Roderick, that's kind of what he's done best when he's been on since he's been there. So if those two are your guys, um, maybe that's the case. I'll also say R.J. Roderick had to go get treatment during practice the other day. So <clears throat> maybe it's Ross over Roderick if he's not ready to go. And you got Ross and Jalen Foster out there, uh, which, you know, for the first game probably will be serviceable. But, you know, I, I'm looking for some massive improvement. Uh, from from Foster and, you know, some of those other guys as we get in the SEC, because obviously last year when some of these guys were just thrown out there, it didn't work uh, well individually or as a team. So, you know, good news is uh, last year, you know, we were in a a more massive and restrictive COVID environment. Uh, guys were in and out of practice. You didn't have a big off season. The training was hit or miss. You couldn't come into the building and train with your teammates. Uh, There were massive amounts of guys out from week to week because of contact tracing. We weren't always given a list, (laughs) Uh, but it happened. And by the end, you know, there were a couple of games. They they didn't have enough players to play. South Carolina actually played all of its games. Uh, COVID didn't – on time. They didn't reschedule anything. COVID didn't didn't impact – the team really until the end when they were supposed to go to a bowl game uh, and they didn't. So uh, because of COVID uh, uh, protocols with the uh, offensive staff. So, you know, uh, knock on wood, COVID is not going to affect the team this year. Uh, I think Beamer said they were over 85% with the, uh, you know, the inoculations, uh, I guess the shots, the vaccinations, Uh, And that's good because there's some other schools that aren't that are going to be subjected to testing every week. And, you know, sometimes you can have four or five positives and then you have to contact trace and that turns into 20 guys missing. Um, And they're all healthy at times, you know, even, uh, even with the positive test, you know, so in my opinion, you know, that's a good thing to get over that threshold because you, you really have a, a lot less chance of someone, you know, 
testing positive and then everybody around him has to go into quarantine. I mean, it, you know, those protocols are tough. Um, and if 85% of your rosters uh, and climbing uh, is vaccinated, then, you know, the, the risk is, is very, very low, you know, as far as an outbreak on the team. I know it's outbreak uh, time in South Carolina right now. Um, I, uh, I hope that, that, you know, when you look at the Delta variant or whatever, uh, in India and in the UK, it was hitting them both hard. And then it kind of it, it, it dramatically slowed down. Um, so that's kind of what happened over there. So you'd, you'd think maybe here uh, you'd get out of the woods there. I know LSU announced the other day that uh, they're going to require a vaccination card or a negative COVID test to get into their games. Um, I think that it's probably number one to encourage more people to get vaccinated. Louisiana has, uh, they're lower than South Carolina as far as those rates go. Um, and, and I think number two, uh, Louisiana is, is a state that has gotten hit a lot harder, you know, w- with this round of it, Louisiana, Arkansas, you know, you hear all that stuff. So, you know, what's going to happen at South Carolina? I, as far as that goes, I, you know, Georgia came out and said nothing. And, and a lot of these things are determined by state law. Um, in Louisiana, you've got, you know, different state government than you do in Georgia, South Carolina, places like that. So, you know, I, and I'd watch if you're a Clemson or Georgia fan that just happens to tune into this podcast. And I know there's some of you uh, keep an eye on that game in Charlotte. You could have to wear a mask, something like that. I, uh, you know, the North Carolina is different uh, than South Carolina. So I, I don't expect anything. I, I do think what, what you'll see, you'll see, you know, and, and they, they should probably do this anyway. More, you know, hand sanitizing stations, uh, masks probably will be encouraged, but optional. Um, and that's it at South Carolina. I, I just don't, I don't, I could also see a situation where, hey, uh, maybe the university has a program where if you get vaccinated, you know, get vaccinated at the stadium. And, and, and before you guys say, that's not going to help you. Well, if you get vaccinated and walk in, you know, it's not, that's not the point. Um, maybe a vaccination drive, maybe the university comes around and, you know, maybe you get a, if you're going to the game, you get a, you know, $10 food gift card or something like that. I don't know. That USC could probably uh, help but I, You know, then again, on the flip side of it, because this thing has wrongly been politicized, um, maybe you just don't want to go through the hassle of people heckling the vaccination tent before the game when alcohol is involved. I don't know. I don't know, but, but that's the, based on what, that's the extent I think that will happen in South Carolina. Now you never know. You never know. Uh, I've been surprised before. I'll be surprised again. Uh, you just, uh, never know when it comes to COVID and the virus and protocols and, and things like that. But, uh, boy, you can really tell the people that uh, love COVID protocols around the country, though, because, you know, the numbers are far worse uh, in certain places than others. And like clockwork, you can tell which states are going to do things like make you wear masks outside, which I think is completely stupid. You know, I mean, there's everybody's the science. There's nothing scientific about wearing a mask out in the open air. Um you know, maybe at a stadium environment outside, I, I could I could see that because you kind of packed in there. But man, if I'm gonna go to a state park, I'm not gonna wear a mask while I'm hiking. 
you can forget it. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not getting COVID either by doing that or spreading it. So that's the point. I mean, even, you know, I'm not going to go too far in the weeds there. I, I, you know, whatever happens, happens. I, you know, I, I just, cur- I encourage people to make healthy decisions and to not listen to BS on either side. That's, you know, that's the extent of my take on COVID-19. Listen to, you know, make healthy decisions, whatever that is for you. And uh, don't base it on complete and utter horse crap, rogue studies, breathless articles from the media. Don't base your decision on that, you know. Um, you know, no matter if your doctor says it one way or the other, I'd, I'd you know, if you just feel double safe, I'd get a second opinion. As far as the vaccination goes, I, th- that's my thing. I just wish everybody out there uh, the best of health, um, you know, and and you guys and gals have to make that decision for you. And, and, and that's fine. I don't think anybody should be mandating anything on you. Uh, but the answer to the question as it relates to football is I, I just I can't see just with the way the South Carolina state government is structured, uh, who's in power now, the policies. I, you know, I can't see them, you know, the, at the very, at the very most, I could see them throwing a mask mandate uh, in public schools again, or a requirement. Um, I don't think anything's going to affect Gamecock football games. Now, now here's the interesting thing. Though. Um, there is a mask mandate in place at the University of South Carolina. They went to court and got it, you know, classroom stuff like that. So my question would be, if if you're in in, in the zone or, or one of the new club levels, th- those places are enclosed. Um, you may have to wear a mask when you're in that area, and not you know have to wear it when you're on the open stadium. So uh, that's something to watch for, you know, because parts, large parts of the concourses now, and and you know we we, we had very few fans in the stands last year, but large parts of the concourses now are, are enclosed. So that's a question, uh, you know, you, you need answered before you go to Williams-Price because, you know, yeah, you may not have to wear a mask in the stadium, but in the enclosed areas, if your tickets are in one of those sections, uh, I would guess theoretically you would since the university has this mandate, but um, maybe there's an exception uh, for the state. I don't know. I don't know. So just I would hate for somebody to show up at a game, you know, be happy, be there and then you forgot your mask uh, and that's just a pain in the ass that you don't need you know uh, and that's why I'm telling you guys this to check that out uh, I'm not forcing any sort of mandates or encouraging anything I'm just saying uh, and that doesn't you know, look man I mean that doesn't make me because I know some people out there oh, that's just weak you're, just, you're not you're not following the science no I honestly you know I, I have my personal opinions on it but I honestly think, you know, people just need, you know, personal responsibility has not been mentioned in this this whole thing across the country at all. You know, nobody ever mentions that personal responsibility. And I advocate that. And you're responsible for yourself. Um, I'm giving you a PSA saying, hey, those enclosed areas, because compared to two years ago, that has changed. You know, don't get caught without a mask in your pocket you know, you have to get into it with some of the lovely customer service people there at the stadium and uh, it will ruin your night. I'm looking out. I want you guys to have a good time. 
So enough of all that, enough of the mass stuff. Uh, I want to thank Heritage Digital, uh, our sponsor. I, and, and I lied to you guys, or I, I, I told a story. Uh, I told you I probably would not uh, get any more uh, sponsors for the podcast just because I thought, you know, two, and I really give them a lot of time and all that. Uh, but, I, uh, you know, I didn't kind of think about it. Uh, in terms of like special segments and we'll have the prediction segment uh, every week where, you know, we come through and give the final word on the game and give the score prediction. Uh, and I've got a sponsorship specifically for that. And that'll start next week. Uh, and so um, I'm very happy uh, to announce that because, you know, uh, this is a, uh, this is not a for-profit enterprise. <laughs> this is a, Cover your time and expenses enterprise here at the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Uh, but I uh, did want to say that uh, I do uh, appreciate uh, Cindy Searfrost with uh, Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate. Uh, she's been in the upstate of South Carolina, my hometown, for over 35 years and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. You know, there's a lot going on in that, that, that department now, uh, and you need to get with the best. You can contact Sydney at eight Cindy at 864-414-5271 or email C Searfrost, C S E A R F O S S Searfoss at cbcane.com. And they're going to be sponsoring the weekly Gamecock score prediction segment here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So I'm happy that they're with us. Really happy. Um, and uh also as we transition into the iHelp Consulting mailbag, as always, happy to have Daniel Owens uh, and the iHelp Consulting family uh, with us right now. Uh, and if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is an owned and operated company whose only mission to help is to help businesses save on expenses. So whether you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my man, Daniel Owens, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? All right, JC, that was probably not the best little segment there uh of the the podcast you talked about covid and then went right into sponsorships <laughs> so i'm sure you guys want to get back to the nuts and bolts of gamecock football here august 26th uh nine days before the shane beamer era at the university of south carolina begins. so there's two ways as we all know to get into the i help consulting mailbag one follow at the big spur pod on twitter um that would be the best uh, way to do it because it's kind of interactive. Um, and uh, we encourage you to do that. So you tweet at us. And then, if not, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. All right, first one comes in from Golf Cox. What will the offense look like under Zeb since Doty would have brought a running element? Uh, the good thing about this offensive system is that it can work either way. Um, you can adapt it, uh, and they 
they put in some stuff for Luke Doty. The, the, the principle of the situation uh, is, is the, the, theory, the theory, I guess, would be sort of like Oklahoma where Shane Beamer came from. He's mentioned this several times. I've, I've been told this, where this offense can work well with like a Jalen Hurts, uh, just as well as a Spencer Rattler or Kyler Murray type guy, um, or a guy that like an Austin Kendall that, that's – you know, not a statue in the pocket, but not necessarily a runner. So if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, it's adaptable and and you just adapt it. Um, the concepts are the same. The offense doesn't really change, you know, with the exception of, you know, less design, probably less designed quarterback runs um, and, and all that good stuff. And RPOs where the quarterback has a run tag on it and stuff like that. Um, and, and, but I'll say this, Zeb Nolan is not a statue in the pocket. You know, uh, I think Colin Hill probably would be the poster child uh, for being immobile uh, as, the, as far as that position goes at South Carolina. Uh, Nolan is a little bit different. He's a little more like Jake Bentley mobility wise. Uh, so I, I would I would go there. Um, Style-wise, quarterbacking-wise, and passing game, he's a lot like Jake and Steven Garcia. So that's um, that's good. And so, uh, by the way, spoke with a source. Uh, said Jake Bentley's doing really well, enjoying life at South Alabama right now uh, as they start out their season here in a couple of weeks as well. But uh, so that, that that's kind of it. You know, you, you hear the term game manager, and it, there's a wide – swath of uh, interpretations as to what a game manager is. Uh, I think some people, I mean, I, some people don't get it. I, you know, I, I don't even like the term, but I do think quarterbacks in this system have to manage the game. Does that make sense? Uh, get everybody lined up, get in the correct call, complete passes to open guys, play within the offense. Don't do too much. Don't get sacked. Don't turn it over that kind of thing. So that's, um, that's the deal. So it's still going to be a, a multiple offense with different formations and a lot of different formations, a lot of personnel groupings designed to cause mismatches. They're going to be heavy run game, uh, that kind of thing. So there you go. At Gamecock Pundit, can you expand upon your answer about starting Doty at UGA if he doesn't play against Eastern Illinois and ECU, especially if Zeb and Brown have great games? Isn't it risky – uh, to losing the game and Doty potentially losing confidence. No, <laughs> he's the starting quarterback. Um, there's a reason he's a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, whether, you know, you're at the University of South Carolina, you know, go back and look at the teams that you open against, you've opened against in the past and that you will in the future. So, you know, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, let's not throw him out there because it's Georgia. I mean, that's that's a very fearful approach, number one. And then from a football standpoint, if you get beyond the mental and, uh, you know, emotional aspect of it, uh, you know, it's it's a tuck, tail, and run move. Um, and this is assuming Doty's, you know, close to 100%. Uh, you don't throw him out there if he's not feeling it, Right. Uh, to go in and to try to compete against the University of Georgia, you're going to need all your weapons, and Doty's one of your weapons. So uh, I think this stuff kind of 
you know, there's a lot that's been written out there about the quarterback job by people that don't really cover the program that are, you know, that have good, you know, they're, they're like message board posters or people on social media that have good takes and good opinions uh, and stuff like that. Enjoy reading every one of their posts. Uh, and there's several of them on my site and elsewhere, uh, but that's not, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it's, it's been on the inside. You know, that they haven't, they've never sat there and gone, well, the best thing that could happen is for, Jason Brown or, 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 you know, now Zeb Nolan to overtake Luke Doty because Doty's just not the end. No, Doty's been the answer for the entire time. And he's gotten a lot better. I mean, I, I, I still don't think you can take a small sample size and write the story of Luke Doty and say, this is how it's going to be. So in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, you know, that that's what's kind of feeding into some people's mind. You know, they don't really want Doty to be the starter to begin with. Uh, because they're they, they're replaying last season and a handful of bad plays in the spring game in their mind, and and look, Doty's going to make some bad plays this year. They're all going to, uh, and you can go up to Clemson. DJ Ungalale is going to make some bad plays this year. Uh, Sam Howell, North Carolina, is going to make bad plays this year. But the quarterbacks are not perfect, and it sucks that some people kind of hang that uh, every play on on the folks that play here, but. Uh, so, no, I think to go in and beat Georgia, even if it's Luke's first start, you need all your arrows, you know, to shoot at Georgia. And Luke Doty is an arrow. He brings a different element in the run game. He's the best passing uh, option in terms of being able to execute the offense. Um, you know, line him up, have him make throws on air. You know, he may – there, there, there will be times he'll go six for 10 and Brown will go eight for 10 uh, or vice versa, but that's throws on air. Okay. Let, let's be real here. Um, and so that, that, that's what I think about that. That's why I said it. It's the, it's the truth. You know, you don't, you know, now to your point about Doty losing confidence, you put him out there at like 70% and he can't move or plant or anything. Absolutely. You, you, you don't, you know, that, that that's the thing with Luke Doty. There, there's some quarterbacks that you go, well, if he's at 70% and can get the passes off and all that, he, he runs our offense better than anybody else throwing it. Um, you know, you, 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 you know, these other guys are going to throw picks or whatever. Yeah. You, you, you hobble him out there, you know, uh, but these other guys, as far as just being able to execute and stuff like that, they've been doing it well enough to where that's not at that thing. And so Doty, you know, can heal up, can heal up. Now, I, you know, right now, I, the, the feeling I get is that Doty's probably going to be back against East Carolina, you know, with if the the trend and the treatment and all that continues. So, appreciate it, Gamecock Pundit. Always good to hear from you. And here we go. This comes in from Tristan. Tristan. Really, really, really uh, starting to starting to really um, you know step up his game as far as sending in questions go. Uh, Tristan says, number one, I love our running back room. Best I've ever seen us in my lifetime. I'm 28. With that being said, the transfer portal we're living in, how likely or who is most likely to transfer out for more playing time? Well, you, you have to keep in mind, White 
and probably Hera. It, it, and it kind of depends on who comes back. Like, okay, so if you're Rashad Amos and you're sitting there, and I've heard absolutely nothing about Amos leaving, okay? But if you're Amos and you're sitting there and Harris comes back next season uh, and uh, McDowell's still there and Lloyd's still there, and I think I think, think Z.Y. can come back next year too. That's all of a sudden your third year in college and, you know, you're ready to roll. So maybe you think about it. I don't know. Uh, maybe if there's a Quandre White uh, and you got another year and Harris and Lloyd come back and you're like, shoot, I can go start someplace and pile up my stats and go play pro ball. Maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. Maybe Kevin Harris leaves. I, I don't know. Um, I do know that how that room is going to be shaped next season largely depends on who returns, who's coming back to Carolina uh, for 2022. Um, and that's to be determined, to be determined. I don't like talking about stuff like that, but that is a, you know, it is something you look at, you know, if, if all these guys come back, you know, you're going to sit on, you know, so anyway, uh, he says now, uh, second, the second one, you know, you can sit on the bench or whatever. So the second question, and, and that was like a word salad there. I apologize guys. Uh, now that we're starting to dial in on EIU, if you had to place a wager, what would you think was more likely us scored 50 plus or every quarterback on our roster throwing a touchdown? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the 50 plus. Uh, I don't know that either is particularly likely. Um, of course, I don't know that scoring 50 isn't because uh, I'll, I'll say this, I, South Carolina, obviously in the run game, and, and, you know, we all remember the Charleston Southern game a couple of years ago. Kevin Harris had six carries for 147 yards. Uh, that was a that's interesting game as far as that goes. But, um, you know, so, so when you have a team that can run the ball like Carolina probably should be able to, anytime they're on offense with the backs they have, they're a threat to break it. I mean, White can break a long one. Lloyd can break a long one. McDowell certainly can. Harris can. I don't know if Harris is going to play. Amos is capable of doing that as well. So, you know, that causes sometimes big scores. You know, we, we all remember uh, when Oklahoma and Nebraska were in their heyday back in the 80s uh, running the triple option or wishbone. Uh, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a surprise for them to go to Kansas and beat them 77-0 uh, or something like that. I mean, it's uh, – and, and, and they weren't trying to run it up. They were just running – the ball and, and you know they weren't able to stop them so you know that's that I, I think 50 plus is probably the better uh pick there but I, I don't know I, I don't know how Shane Beamer will handle it you know um I haven't dove into that part of me thinks he's a guy that is just going to run his offense and you know with with backups and have other people stop kind of like Coach Spurrier although Coach Spurrier was a little bit more willing to just run it out when he was at Carolina than at Florida. Uh, I think part of that was he's frustrated about the battle of backups ran the system. But um, so that's that. But part of me knows Shane's an old school kind of guy as far as respect and, and things like that. So maybe he's not, um, maybe he's, he's not, maybe he won't run it. I, I don't know. And, you know, I, I think in my opinion, um, and, and I respect all coaches and understand 
you know, running up the score like that's uh, classless in a lot of ways. If you do it, you know, if you put your starter back in and things like that, you know, people don't like that, especially when the game's over. But I've always liked, you know, the, the philosophy of, well, you know, our backups deserve the chance to go in and run the offense, the whole offense as well. And they need reps. Uh, and the reason is not because I've, you know, let's just destroy Eastern Illinois University, and, you know, all that, you know, no, no, it's not, that's nothing to do with the opponent so much as it's good for team morale. I just got finished talking about Rashad Amos and, and, and the running back room and, you know, uh, like I said, no, I've heard nothing about any of them transferring right now at all. Uh, and hopefully, if you're the Gamecocks, it doesn't happen, and, and all those guys have a lot of carries in the Garnet and Black. Um, but, you know, one way, you know, especially with the portal that you can guard against that is when you do get in these blowout games, everybody gets to go out there and get a chance to score a touchdown and make a big play. Uh, and they're not just tackling dummies uh, against a – you know, pissed off FCS team that is about matched that, you know, then you're just running it right at them and they're just knocking you back. And, you know, that's, that's because you're just running it up the middle. That's not, that's not cool. Um, and so that's my opinion on that. You know, I, I don't know Shane Beamer, this is his first game as a head football coach. So I don't know what, I don't know what his philosophy is. I'm trying to think his dad at Virginia Tech, they, they'd have some pretty big scores against some people. So anyway, should be fun to find out. Uh, next Saturday night. Let's hope they're in a position uh, to to have the debate on what, what exactly you should do when a game gets out of hand. Um, because, you know, I, I, a lot of new players on this team. And if you make mistakes after mistake after mistake, you know, that underdog team can hang with you, you know, if you're shooting yourself in the foot. So uh, if it's a clean game, I don't really have – much hope for the Eastern Illinois Panthers Saturday night. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, so we'll see. All right, so Jeremy says, JC, I have two questions. I asked last podcast about if the media works hand-in-hand with the staff trying to recruit players, but I didn't specify what I meant by that. Um, I, I mean, as far as you guys doing specific articles or giving intel on specific order recruits by the staff uh, to hype up the fan base, rally them to get the recruit commit to the program. I feel like credible media outlets could be a way to show love to recruits, especially in the era of the social media, if fans aren't in the dark. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we do. Our, our job is to talk about recruits to fans. Um, and we interview recruits and we have informational recruits and all that. And we, we've been doing that. I've been in that business for gosh, 16, 17 years now. Um, so that that's what we do. And uh, we try – you know, some of our recruiting on the bigspur.com, some of our recruiting coverage is VIP for fans only. Not fans only, not that one, no, no, <laughs> not the app, but uh, for, for our members. Uh, and then a lot of the other ones are for, you know, mass distribution. And we always put them out on Twitter and Facebook and wherever. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's good. Um, anybody that gets pub, um, in a specific market, you know, they feel the love and then, you know, the fans show them the love on social media. I, I think tweeting at recruits and things like that, uh, you know, gets out of hand a lot because you have a lot of idiots that don't, don't, they don't help the situation. 
they're passive aggressive and creepy and everybody and their brother can read it. But there's no question that recruits do pay attention to fans giving them love and they, they like that. You know, they like that. Um, that's why, you know, yesterday uh, this uh, Gamecock fan out of Atlanta, I think on Twitter, tried to trash Frank Martin for retweeting a billboard with a, uh, a player super, a recruit superimposed on it. Uh, and he started calling them, says, well, they're not commodities. And then he mentioned Jermaine O'Neal and Frank fired back and said, Jermaine O'Neal is coming to South Carolina. He's a friend of mine, but uh, you do you. <laughs> so. uh, and I tweeted at him. He was clueless. And I'm like, you know, that, no, athletes aren't commodities. I preach that all the time. How many times have you heard me say these are human beings, not robots, et cetera. But of course they are, but they're kids too. And they love seeing their face on billboards. <laughs> so anyway, um, my second question is about Jason Brown. What are some faults in his game that are keeping him from being the no question second stringer? I, I don't think it's more about Jason Brown as it is about Zeb Nolan. Nolan's just moving the team better right now. Brown has really progressed. Um, and so that's that I, you know, there are things every quarterback needs to work on, you know, and, and Jason Brown, you know, last year, one of them, one of the big things was his, his size and getting quicker and more athletic and more in shape. And by God, he did it. So, you know, we'll see, but it, it's not that, you know, the Zeb thing, they put Zeb out there to compete. I don't know that they even expected Zeb to be the guy, but, but he's, he's been really good and Brown's been better. And so that's, those are the two. And right now Zeb's ahead. But like I said at the top of the show, I you know, just like I said before Zeb kind of nudged ahead, hey, I think it's Brown now, but I can't um, I can't count Zeb out. Same thing now. I think it's Zeb now, but I can't count Brown out. So we'll see what happens and, and all that. And look, man, you know, <laughs> hopefully both will play. Uh, and, you know, both will do quite well. Um, you know, I, 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 I really hope that, you know, as far as the game goes, because that means the Gamecocks will probably have a pretty big win. Kevin says, Bates West, Kevin, Bates West. What's your opinion on the Gamecocks football schedule poster that came out this week? Why aren't there any players on it? Just shots of a full Willie B and close-ups of the uniform and Beamer. 2021 season is almost here. Go Gamecocks, best way. Bates West, Kevin. I think it's because, um, We've had individual, you know, one of the problems, one of the members of the, or one of the couple of contacts on the former staff told me uh, was that, you know, Carolina would go out there and get their brains beat in by somebody. And the next week there'd be a video with highlights of Izzy McWamu in a 38 point loss. And, and that fed into some of the, the bigger focus on, you know, the individuals rather than the focus on, on the Gamecocks. Uh, and so I, I think that from the top down, all that needed to change, and that includes marketing, social media, creative, all that. And, uh, and it has. The, the focus has been much more on family, team, all that good stuff. So I think the posters are a reflection of that. Is it the best-looking poster in the history of South Carolina football? No. <laughs> uh, and I get that. But um, – you know, that's probably the thought behind all of that. 
And I certainly appreciate that, Bates West Kevin. All right. The iHelp Consulting inbox. I'm sorry, the iHelp Consulting mailbag with the iHelp Consulting inbox uh, rolls on. Again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Also follow inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Mark, a frequent emailer here, says, Good morning, JC. Your thoughts on the most pivotal game of the 2021 season? My opinion, but it has to be Kentucky. You win that game, you transfer, tra- travel to Knoxville, potentially 4 and 1 with some confidence. I agree. Um, and I thought last season, uh, had the schedule stayed like it was, Missouri at home, uh, that third game, the home opener, SEC home opener would have been big. And then they went to Kentucky right at those two games, I thought were critical as far as last season goes, when they had the the, the schedule before COVID that they didn't cancel. Now, the other schedule came out, I thought, you know, Auburn – was a pit. Auburn well, the opener against Tennessee and then Auburn and they split those. But you know, I tend to say pivotal game um, for the Gamecocks. You know, it's usually in September to start with. Now, if you lose it, it's not the season's not over. But just looking at it, getting over the hump, getting through the season, you know, uh, there's usually a critical September game, and then we go after when we go after that, and you look down the road. You know, maybe the Florida game at home ends up shaping up to be huge. Maybe the Missouri road trip is. Maybe Florida. Uh, I mean, so maybe Auburn at home, um, that kind of thing. But right now, I, I think it is Kentucky because you're going to be favorites in the first two, going to be underdogs heavy in the third one, and then there's then there's Kentucky. And, you know, reading about I know all of a sudden everybody now thinks Kentucky's going 10-2, and two, so we'll see. But – uh they're at Columbia, in Columbia at williams Bryce Stadium. I'm actually going to that game, um, I think, as of now. My plans don't change. But uh, it that is that, – that's going to be a big one. You know, you, you go uh, – you, you got to win the first two if you're Carolina. But you, you don't want to lose to group of five or an FCS school. That's just not a good look. Uh, and then you go to Georgia and you take a shot, you know. It's tough to win in Athens. Gamecocks did it two years ago, but uh, Georgia's going to be ranked pretty high, and they're the SEC East favorite, so you go shoot your shot. And then you come back, and the SEC home opener in the end of September is huge. So that will be my pivotal game as of right now. But when you get past that one, you know, then you look at the trip to Knoxville and, you know, some other stuff. So, So right now I totally agree with you, Mark. We may look back on it and say, well, this was the pivotal. So if I look back on 2020, what was the pivotal game? I thought the uh, LSU, when they fell fell flat on their face, after having momentum, beating Auburn, uh, LSU struggling mightily and then and had their quarterback, their quarterback was out, started a true freshman and beat the Gamecocks 52 to 24. <laughs> nah, I was like, oh, crap, you know. All right. Mark has a funny thing. He's talking about an alliance. We were talking about the ACC Pac-12 alliance, ACC Big Ten Pac-12. I hear an alliance is forming between the fellowship of the miserable and the quarterback Taliban. So uh, there we go. He mentioned that. And again, you know, that I almost did not read that, uh, but I wanted to read it because I don't want Mark to think he did anything wrong. But, I, you know, based on, 
based on the um, the very sad news today, and, and obviously when you read the news, the Taliban wasn't responsible for the uh, bombings at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. But yeah, I think I'm going to we'll back off the quarterback Taliban uh, use uh, here for a little bit, just 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 out of respect and all that. But uh, you know, we'll go back to the fellowship of the miserable. Let's hope Gamecock Nation isn't the fellowship of the miserable, uh, at least for the next two or three weeks. But uh, appreciate that, Mark. I think that's fine. I have, I have these little funny sayings, and, and that was one of them. Seth says, thanks for the podcast. Thank you for listening, Seth. Uh, any news on the recruiting trail, possible commitments, or anyone trending towards the Gamecocks? Yeah, um, Brian Thomas Jr., uh, edge player from Winter Garden, Florida, you know, he's 6'3", 225. Um, Gamecocks, West Virginia are kind of the two two guys. His dad was an NFL draft pick, uh, played at UAB, and spent 10 years with the Jets. So he's got those NFL bloodlines. You know, they like him. Uh, Helma Granahan and I both have crystal ball picks in for the Gamecocks right now. So that's the, that's the guy that, you know, you got your eye on James Pierce, an edge player from Charlotte, who's – Awesome. If you watch his, his film, um, you know, you could, you could kind of keep an eye on him too into the month of September uh, recruiting right now, August, September, are usually a little slow. Um, oh, Stone Blanton, the four-star linebacker out of Mississippi is making an unofficial visit to South Carolina uh, final trip over for the Eastern Illinois game. So yeah, I think I still think it's going to be hard as I've always thought, uh, to pry him out of Mississippi, uh, I think had their baseball program not won the national championship, there may be a little bit, you know, uh, uh, for a while there before the Bulldogs won the national title of baseball, you know, there was a there was a lot of talk about him leaving the state. Now, nah, not so much because baseball is in the in the mix so much for him. So, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks can get him over and. Showing Williams Bryce on a game day, the atmosphere should be electric at least early, and you know shoot their shot there. So that, that's, but like I said, recruiting hasn't. Uh, oh, and, and by the way, Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, I forgot is taking an uh, a official visit in for the Eastern Illinois game, um, and so that's that's sort of August is always slow when it comes to recruiting, um. And then September kind of starts to pick back up. October, as we go through the football season, and then after the regular season of football ends, it's a it's a it's a uh, sprint till the middle of December, and then it's Christmas, and then you have the second sort of signing uh, area period uh, through February, and that's all. That's going to be fun. But yeah, so he's scheduled. I'll go ahead and give you the other two huge targets. Um, on September 24th for the Kentucky game already down. And then I'll add Jay Sean Barham is supposed to be there too. Antonio Williams, the receiver from Dutch Fork and uh, Jamari Lyons, the big defensive lineman from Melbourne, Florida, both big time players scheduled to visit the Gamecocks then. So we will see what happens and we will see what happens uh, probably tomorrow and through the weekend. Uh, with more of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Once again, thanks to iHelp Consulting uh, for the iHelp Consulting mailbag. 
thank you to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the news and news and notes portion of the show. And uh, thanks to um, all of you out there. Certainly appreciate uh, each and every one of you being interested in the podcast, listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast. I'm JC Sherbert. Hope everyone has a wonderful Thursday evening. Holla at you soon.